Welcome to a D&D Candle Lab. Welcome to the D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast. With your hosts, Karen and Dan. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. Compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week we're bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of Morty's content and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey guys, it's Garen. And I am Dan, and this week we are very excited to be diving into the newest supplement that has been published by Wizards of the Coast, Morden Kanan's Tome of Foes. Now, we've been hearing a lot of buzz from players that they're not so thrilled with this supplement, that it's very similar to Volos, and that it doesn't have too much pizzazz for your player character options. Well, we've decided to prove that theory wrong in this episode. It's so wrong, Dan. I mean, a lot of you guys have heard by this point that the supplement offers a plethora of lore. Sure, that doesn't directly impact your characters if you're doing it wrong. But simply put, we love that stuff. It makes for deep character creation and a deeper understanding of a character's motivations and actions. Included in that rich lore is an entire section of tiefling subraces, demons, archdemons, demonic cults, demonic boons. So, so cool stuff. And there is so much to work with here that we thought we'd create level 4 evil demonic NPCs using the mechanics that they offer here in Morty's. That's right, and we're taking a little bit of a different approach in this supplement. We will revisit the other great PC character creation options that this book has to offer in a different episode, but first, we thought we would start with what really stood out to us as cool and unconventional. That being said, allow me to introduce you to Ermir, once an inhabitant of Stygia. Ermir escaped the depths of the Nine Hells as a reward for his devout service and worship to Levistus. He was sent to the mainlands in search of a powerful wizard, a red dragon, or even a fire giant that would support his cause of assisting Levistus in escaping his imprisonment within the ice of Stygia, ultimately allowing Levistus to gain revenge on Asmodeus, who had punished and imprisoned him there for eternity. However, while amongst the commoners in the mainland, Aramir began to lose focus what his mission was, while still using the skills granted to him by his patron, Levistus, to steal, manipulate, and gain favor in crime rings in various towns. Levistus grew impatient and worried about Aramir's progress on the mainland, and then cut the magical powers granted Aramir off clean, as he was no longer responding to his request to communicate. This resulted in a failed heist. Running for his life, Aramir pleaded to Levistus to regrant his magical powers so that he could rid of his pursuers. Levistus did what he does best, making a bargain with Ermir, stating that he would help him in sparing his life, but if Ermir were to ever betray him again, he would be immediately struck down. Ermir had no other choice but to quickly agree to these terms and vowed to devote his life to Levistus once more. Let me introduce you to Ermir, the Levistus Tiefling, level 4 Warlock of the Fiend, Pact of the Tome, member of the cult Levistus, featured in Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes and the Acolyte background. He is lawful evil. So he went to the mainland working in the in the interests of Levistus, but then he just got so tantalized with what, like the, the well, beautiful so he, trinkets so, you could buy at the market. Well, yeah, so he, he went to the mainland 
basically looking for somebody that could help get Levistus out of his predicament, but he was very distracted by all of the things that the mainland had to offer, and he was using his powers in just these inappropriate ways to steal and manipulate people, grew rather wealthy himself, all the while Levistus was still imprisoned in ice. Sounds like kind of a Bush League chump. He couldn't keep his eyes on the prize. He had to be threatened by his boy. Okay, I, I see you brought a real amateur into the lab this week, and that's a shame. Get At level four, I couldn't bring anything but an amateur. Well, he's about to get schooled by a child at the hand of Zeriel's blade. A tiefling baby was found in the wild with no one else around it. The cult of Zeriel found this baby, and when attempting to pick it up, the baby lashed out at the young man that picked it up, actually tearing his arm, and he later died of blood loss. As they tried to care for the baby back at the tent, you know, wanting to still look out for the child, knowing it was just afraid, it injured two more adults that they were never the same again. As this child aged, it calmed down a little bit, but it still had these berserk fits where it would be very dangerous to those around it and they soon you learned to use that to their advantage sending it against their enemies and this this young boy would run out into the field and massacre whole slews of humanoids and you know whatever four-legged crap is out there yeah this isn't he dude. was yes he was a bad bad little boy this isn't a kid that's dumping his potty chair in the sink no he is chopping people off at the knees with his greatsword so they called him Zeriel's Blade, and he became one of the shock troops in this cult of Zeriel. Zeriel is all about destruction on the battlefield and very much honored by those like Zeriel's Blade, a level four tiefling zealot barbarian, obviously cult of Zeriel, with the bastard background that I took from D&D Beyond. A very balanced background, by the way. Yeah, that'd be a first for you. Okay, well, if you'll excuse me for a moment, I'm going to go ahead and use my hellish rebuke to light up a gold wheat bakery candle from Cantrip Candles, as I think we might need it for later in the episode. Cantrip Candles are the purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world, taverns, fantasy forests, or the one we just lit, Gold Wheat Bakery, which offers notes of yeast, bread, and flour. But to be honest, you can find just about any scent for your adventure settings in their sampler pack, which offer all of their scents for just $11 plus shipping. Once you decide that you want to buy every single one of them, be sure to splurge on their newly offered 16-ounce candle size, because they all come with a metal D20, and the best part of a cantrip, you don't have to expend a spell slot. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles, and if you don't know how to spell cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. Thank you, Dan and Cantrip Candles, for that message. You guys are some fine devils over there. Keep up the good work. Now, let me brag about my handsome devil. As we move into the melee category, as I mentioned, I'm sporting a barbarian this week. He has a greatsword with a plus five to hit, 2d6, plus three, plus two when I'm raging. And when I hit with a regular attack, once per short rest, I can make that attack an automatic critical. I am arguing a plus two. Boy, I mean, it's going to be hard for me to argue a plus two for a barb. Uh, this is going to be your probably your strongest category. I'm going to go ahead and make you roll here. Boy, well, first, you're wrong. And second, okay, I will roll. That was the Ferocious Surge, which is a feature of the Cult of Zeriel. I rolled a four, so yes, I will take a one on that category. See? Money well spent. Okay, how does your warlock shape up in melee? 
So I'm arguing to zero here. I have a great club which deals out 1d8 bludgeoning damage. I have a plus two to hit. Ooh, a plus two to hit and there's no modifier on the damage. I'm going to say that's in minus one. We're at level four. I'm still going to say that's a minus one. Okay, fair. Moving All on right. to ranged. I'm arguing to negative two. I have no ranged weapon. Oof. I'm arguing a plus one because I have a javelin, which is only 1d6 to hit, but I still have a plus five to hit with it. I still have rage damage. Are you saying you... Still... No, 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 You said a plus one? Yes, I'm arguing a plus one. No. Well, let me finish my argument. Go for it. I can also use that feature where I can make it an automatic critical. No, this I makes mean, my physical it. damage very powerful. You already argued powerful. it in a previous category. You're not using it on a javelin. Get out of here. That's a negative one at best. It's not a negative one. I have yeah, a plus you, five to hit. You, you it's basically... a 1d6 plus three with rage damage. Okay, so you're doing out one more damage than my melee category. I'm, I'm sorry, minus one. No, I'm dealing out three more damage than your melee category. No, I dealt out 1d8. 1d6. Plus, plus three. Plus three. Plus two. Where are you getting the plus two? Rage, I've said it. Okay. You're giving me rage right now. I'll take a zero. Yeah, take your zero. So go ahead and tell me how you do in burninating, Barb. Here is what I've got. First of all, as a zealot barbarian, when I'm raging on each of my turns, the first hit I do does an additional 1d6 plus half my barbarian level, which is two. So 1d6 plus two necrotic damage. I also have Searing Smite, which I can use once per day at the second level. It doesn't expend any spell slots yeah, or anything. These are all very conditional. Deals... So what else you got? What do you mean conditional? Well, the first hit, and then you can use this once per day. So, so far I'm seeing a minus one. Every round, I can deal an additional 1d6 plus two necrotic damage. And I can do a free spell of 2d6 fire damage. All right, what do you They arguing? have to save on arguing? a con save, or they take an additional 1d6 fire. I also can cast Spiritual Weapon, which floats around and does damage as a bonus action on my turns. I'm arguing a one. All right, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to tell you you're getting a zero, and I'll try and convince you why. <laughs> okay, okay, because you're coming in really hot on this episode, so you better be ready for an argument on this one. Yeah, uh, all right. I I'm arguing a plus two. I've got Witch Bolt, which does 2d12. I'm a warlock. you got to remember, I'm always doing stuff at a second level. 2d12, got Frostbite, 1d6 cantrip, Ray of Frost, 1d8 cold damage cantrip, Eldritch Blast, 1d10 force damage cantrip and chill touch which is 1d8 necrotic damage in a cantrip i don't think that that's i mean witch bolt is a very powerful spell i love that spell yeah, 24 yes apart from that not really impressive because even your eldritch blast is your standard eldritch blast you don't even have anything additional on top of that so i would say that you are more reasonably a one here i will take a one okay and i, don't I will think, take a one i don't think you're a one Based off of everything that I've got as far as magic damage, I don't think you're a one. You've got some conditions. I'm a more standard magic damage dealer here. I, I think you're going to take a zero. Impressive for a barb, no doubt, but there are conditions on your damage. Just a little bit, a little bit of restriction. Yeah, zero. <sighs> All right. So let me move into control. I'm arguing a zero here. So I have plus six to intimidation, persuasion, and deception checks. I also have the Eldritch Invocation of Gaze of Two Minds. Let me explain this. This is really cool. It's going to come up a couple times in this episode. So I can use my action to touch a willing humanoid and perceive through its senses until the end of my next turn. As long as the creature is on the same plane of existence as I am, I can use my action on subsequent turns to maintain this connection, extending the duration until the end of my next turn. While perceiving through the other creature's senses, I benefit from any special senses possessed by that creature 
and I am blinded and deafened to my own surroundings. So okay. I'm arguing to zero here. One would argue that that while that is cool, it's got its definite circumstances where it could be very bad for you because you are very vulnerable in that situation. Right. It's control in... I'm arguing that plus six to intimidation, persuasion, and deception is controlling outside of combat as well as this gaze of two minds. Basically, I'm going to be able to get in somebody's head, see what their motivations are, see what exactly they're thinking, and kind of convey that to my party. Now, I'm not arguing anything negative. I'm not arguing anything positive. I think this is a pretty controlling Eldritch Invocation that not a lot of classes get without a spell. Okay, and I'm going to say that you have one thing, because the fact that you brought skills into this, you haven't... I can't remember the last time either of us have brought skills into a control category, so I feel like you would agree with me that you kind of have one thing here. So what are you arguing? A minus one. Okay, what do you have? I have True Strike. I have my boon of Gratzitz. Gratzitz? So, Garen, why don't you go ahead and take an opportunity to explain to the listeners what these boons are in Morden Caden's Tome of Foes? Yes, a boon is a very powerful feature that you can put on a creature. Now, they kind of, in the book, they encourage you to kind of put these on NPCs because it would really offset a player character a bit too much. Now, the deal with a boon is that if the demon feels like you're not fulfilling your side of the bargain, it will strip that power from you. So what my Gratzitz boon offers to me is a plus four to my con and my charisma, it gives me false life and hold person as spells, and it gives me two features. One of them I'm going to highlight here for control is joy from pain. When I suffer a crit, I can make a melee attack as a reaction. So I have that. And I have, Dan, this is the one I texted you about the other day where I said, I found something in control that I think you're going to love. And this is Cult of Zeriel. It's a feature called Infernal Tactics. This creature has a keen eye for seizing tactical advantage. After rolling initiative, it can choose itself and up to three allies that it can swap the initiative results of all the chosen creatures among them. Oh, right? Oh, I love it. You could, You're just, basically, you could just be like, no, no, I'm more ready than you are. <laughs> yeah, if you had a party of four, you would you would never have to roll initiative because no, you, you would could just, just say, okay, just this is the order. It. Yeah, you just choose it. Yeah. That's so badass. So I'm arguing a plus one because I really have two things. I'm not really counting true strike. It's cool, but, you know, it requires a turn. Good, because I was going to completely discount that anyway. <laughs> All right, so you're arguing a what? A plus one? I'm arguing a plus one, and I'm, I am saying that you might deserve a minus one because you have one thing, I think. Yeah, I think this is fair. That cult feature is is really, really cool. So, yeah, you definitely earned a plus one there. Sweet. So tell me, how tanky is you? I would say that this is a decently tanky character because of my plus four to con. I have 64 hit points. Whoa! I have an AC. Yeah, that's a con of 18 plus barbarian D12. Wow, at level four. I have an AC of 16. I have rage, which obviously gives me resistance. I can cast false life as the Gratz boon, Gradzitz boon, and a feature of the zealot barbarian, which I'm not exactly jazzed about, but could prove effective in the right circumstances is because I'm a warrior of the gods, an ally would need no material components to cast Raise Dead on me. So they could basically just pop off a Raise Dead if they're able to cast it. Yeah. If you're using material components, that would be a very strong feature to have. Okay. So I am arguing a plus one here. Come on. A plus one? Points. Karen, you know you're worthy of a plus two here. You think that's a plus two? Oh, All right. Without question. I'm arguing a plus one. I was arguing a plus two. I have an AC of 13, 36 hit points. But here's the thing. I want everybody to keep in mind that I have a level four character here. So 
I have a couple of spells, Armor of Agathis, which is a racial bonus. I have that, I can cast that at second level. And then I also have Blade Ward. I have Hellish Resistance, which gives me resistance to fire damage, just as every tiefling has. I also have Dark One's Blessing, which starting at first level, when I reduce a hostile creature to zero points, this is pretty cool. I gain mm -hmm. temporary hit points equal to my Charisma modifier plus my Warlock level for a total of eight temporary hit points for every kill. I like that one. Yeah. I do like that one. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Also, I have the cult trait of Path of Levistus. I was in the Cult of Levistus. This is one of those traits. The, the creature magically transports to a location. This is really, really neat and tanky. The creature magically transports to a location of Levistus's choice within one mile. This can be used as an action by myself or can occur when I die as an action by my patron, Levistus. All HP are regained when I am transported to the location. Once this is used, I can never use it again oh so it's like your one get out of jail free card yeah so i'm gonna stick with my plus one here okay i i think that's pretty tanky every kill i'm getting eight I... temporary hp so the ac and the hp maybe not that impressive but the combination of resistance to fire damage being transported up to a mile away by my patron and regaining full health and then the dark one's blessing which gives me temporary hit points of eight for every person i kill it's pretty tanky man Absolutely. Let me tell you how I help my friends. But before I do that, I would like to let our listeners know how they can get a plus two in Ally Assist. Garen, did you know we have a Patreon? I, I think I heard something about that. Well, it has tiers that start at just $1 and move all the way up the ladder to 20 bucks. On the $1 tier, you can get in our Discord chat where we have fan lab battles and we also create pop culture characters twice a month. Publish the character sheet. That's just a super discount, a lot of fun, way, a good way to get involved in the community. But on the higher tiers, we also have bonus episodes, early access to our regular show, and the patrons can even name our characters. So for more details on all of that, be sure to head over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash D&D Character Lab. Now, I am arguing a minus one for ally assist. This is a guy who his patron is an archdemon. He's not going to be real helpful to his friends. Do you have anything? I have gaseous form. Oh, okay. While in this form, uh, I can touch a willing creature and the target's movement is 10 feet of flying. It can enter and occupy spaces of another creature. It has resistance to non-magical damage and has advantage on strength, dex, and con saves. It can pass through small openings, though liquids are treated as a solid barrier. The target can cannot fall and remains hovering even when incapacitated. So it's something, oh. which is better than nothing. It is something. I am going to make you roll on this. Okay. Because Gaseous Form is not very exciting. I have a plus four to my uh, charisma. I, and I am going to invoke my power given to me by Jome Gemstone to force you to fail that roll. So I rolled an 11, which is actually a one. So <laughs> minus three. That's, so that's Jome, man. That is, that is our patrons supporting us. And crushing your dreams at the same time. <laughs> so just as I got done talking about how you lab rat can support the D&D character lab, that is one of the features that is featured on our $20 tier. Every three months, you can choose to auto fail or auto succeed, auto crit, either Garen or myself. And our patron, Jome Gemstone, chose to auto fail me this week. Uh, so Garen, go in ahead and utilize that. And I can think of one person that I hope never becomes a $20 patron because he will always auto-fail me. And that so, would be at if you're listening, Ohio Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love you. I'm not always wrong. Please don't become a patron or become a patron, but at a lower tier. You're great. Okay, here's how the Blade of Zeriel helps his friends. He has the Heroism spell, and he also has a feature called Master of Pleasures. Now, this is also part of Gratzit's boon. If you thought your Eldritch being able to take temporary hit points from a dead creature was cool, how about the fact that whenever I get hit, whenever I get hit, I can use my reaction, which is, of course, once per turn, to grant myself and any allies within 30 feet five temporary hit points. That stacks up, especially if my allies are not taking damage. How many friends you got? I, well, the Blade of Zeriel, I mean, he's part of the Shock Troop. So I'm going to say this is a group of five to eight other murderers. What's a birthday party look like when you guys get together? It's a great time. Like, first of all, we'll play a fun game like Cornhole. But instead of using a board, we use the open stomach of a corpse. <laughs> and we throw a skull into it. Then we might hit a pinata, which is a live person. <laughs> then we'll eat some cake. Cake is, of course, just a pile of flesh. Ew. Drizzled in frosting. Real frosting. Real sugary. Got to get that cream cheese frosting, though. Oh, I thought it was going to be blood, but it's actual frosting. They like frosting. Actual frosting. I mean, it's cake. Oh. It's cake. It's cake. And then he forces everyone to sing happy birthday to him at Sword Point. It's a great time. In deep speech? Yes. Awesome. Which is beautiful. It's kind of intimidating, though, when you hear happy birthday in deep speech. Can you go ahead and give us a sample? Happy birthday to you. <laughs> just a deep voice happy birthday <laughs> to you happy birthday dear blade azariel happy birthday to you i did not know that that was what deep speech was but thank you for enlightening us so you are arguing a what for ally assist I'm arguing a one based on the power of Master of Pleasures alone. Yeah, that's pretty dang good. So I will grant you that. So tell me, how balanced is your character this week? Thanks to a ridiculous boon, this character is very well balanced, especially for a barbarian. He has a strength of 16, a dex of 14, a con of 18, an intelligence of 14, a wisdom of 9, and a charisma of 16. Yeah, really nice. It's almost unfair. It's I would say this is very much a plus two. Yes. Even his wisdom's not that bad. All the other stats are so high. Yeah, you're going to get that plus two. Now, just to make it clear to the listeners, I did not take a boon for this character because I chose Levistus, who did not have a boon that made a whole lot of sense, but he did have a cult to go with it. So I'm going to run through the numbers. I have a strength of 11, dex of 14, con of 12, intelligence of 11, wisdom of 10, and a charisma of 19 proficiency in wisdom and charisma saving throws, arcana, deception, insight, intimidation, persuasion, and religion checks, and a passive wisdom of 10, AC of 13, and 36 hit points. I think this is a pretty well-balanced character for a level 4 character. Disregarding the fact that Garen took a boon, I also think this is a plus 2 in balance. Yeah, I can see that because... And now just to clarify, I'm not cheating here. We did discuss that we could take boons if we wanted yes. to. And I chose a boon that was also about being kind of just like a savage, messed up guy. I'm not holding the boon against you. I think that you taking the boon was was great. I just did not see anything that was thematically appropriate with Levistus to, to do so. So I'm going to move on to our smooth operator scenario, which was submitted to us by none other than... Somebody named Garen T. Jones. I don't know who that is. Very useful patron we have. <laughs> I don't think he's paid anything. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, he's paid. <laughs> so he stated, 
The guy in front of you at the bakery bought the last cookie. You were really looking forward to that cookie. How do you handle this scenario? So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, start us off. Both scenarios, I've decided to use my gaze of two minds Eldritch Invocation, which uh, I had mentioned earlier, but in the first scenario, I use it to perceive it through the customer's senses and thoughts as to what motivated this customer to purchase this cookie. Was it just his sweet tooth? Was it for his wife? Is he using it to win over his boss at work? I would then use the influential powers of Levistus to roll a persuasion check, which has a plus six modifier, and cast Spider Climb on the customer, showing him that Levistus can offer so much more to meet his needs and ambitions than that mere cookie. I would then encourage him to walk on the ceiling of the bakery to show him that show him the powers of Levistus that I have granted him. If he simply hands over that cookie, these powers can be granted to him. And then when he handed me the cookie, I would just book it. Or I could also use Gaze of Two Minds to connect with this customer through his senses. And while he ate the cookie, I would just be a part of that. And I would basically be eating the cookie. I'd be enjoying it with him. Now that I like. That is effective and kind of creepy that you're just enjoying this cookie in his mouth. Yeah. So plus two. This is, I mean, this is a very cool sense. I love this Eldritch Invocation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disregard the first half of that argument, and I'm just going to give you the plus two based on imagining the two of you standing in that bakery <laughs> together. And by He's the eating way, the cookie. By and the way, just... when I use this Eldritch Invocation, I'm like glazed over, and I'm just like vacant. I'm just standing there, and then I'm like fully in his shit. And so I would just be standing there like mouth open, maybe drooling a little bit, eyes glazed over, and just enjoying this cookie with him. Maybe drooling a little bit. If you're enjoying a cookie, that drool will just be pouring yeah. from your face like my ba like my baby son is all the time so how do you handle this scenario i walk up to him and i say oh did you oh you know what i i gotta tell you though that cookie you got looks a little bit stale and i know they said it was the last one but i'm pretty sure that they're cooking some more in the kitchen right now so i would be fine taking that one if you just want to uh, wait another moment uh, so i use thaumaturgy to make the smell of cookies coming out of the kitchen to try and entice him no no sorry i really have to get going Okay, that's fair. Well, let me offer you a deal here. I am known as the Blade of Zeriel. I am a very valued member of the Zeriel community. That, that, and Zeriel, if you may not be aware. That's great and all, but I really have it, to get home. Yeah, you got places to be right now. You got to enjoy that cookie. You probably got to get to work, see your lovely wife. But one day you're going to die. And Zeriel is actually currently in charge of Avernus, one of the planes of hell. I'm not sure how familiar you are with hell, but it's there. Do you guys have going there someday. Do you guys have a brochure? Because I really have to get going. I would be happy to carve some literature into your forearm with the tip of my blade. It sounds I very can... intimidating and more suitable for spitting fire. And it's less painful than what will happen to you if you tend to cross one of the members of Zeriel's honored guard. Because if you give me that cookie, I can put in a good word with you and you'll get some really light torture when you die. So what do you think? I think this is a minus one. You were crossing over into intimidation no matter what you did there. I was cutting him a deal. I was basically saying you're going to die. I'll just What's make your sure persuasion? that hell is a little you less You had deception. Awful. What's your persuasion? My persuasion is plus three. Yeah. Go ahead and roll. DC 15. For this chump with a cookie? All right. I rolled a 13 plus three. Yeah. So you succeed. Plus one. So how do you handle this so, in an aggressive manner? I don't think it's going to surprise you that I have something very aggressive planned. <laughs> we're, de we're demons after all. As he's paying, he turns around to leave and I look, I stop him. And I look right in his eye and I say, do you really want that cookie? Well, yes, I do. Are you positive you're going to make the choice right now that you absolutely want that cookie? I'm pretty sure I want this cookie. Cast hold person. Then I take the cookie and I put it in my mouth and I start chewing up that cookie. 
But while I'm chewing up that cookie, I'm purposely biting my own lips and tongue because I'm a master of pleasure. And I mix the blood in with the cookie bits in my mouth. Then I grab his face and I smash my face to his and I force the cookie back into his mouth. But while I do that, I cast searing smite on my own lips and I send flaming bloody cookie into his mouth and down his throat. That's very aggressive. (laughs) So what are you arguing? I'm arguing a plus two for blood cookie. <laughs> you tell me if you think you you get a plus two. I'm arguing a plus one. Let's just compare notes here and we'll see what where we fall. I would loudly praise Levistus within the bakery and promptly use control flames to extinguish the flame in the bakery oven. I would then cast ray of frost all across the bakery, freezing everything in sight, creating a large cake of ice, making it eerily cold inside the bakery. I would then roll an intimidation check, which has a plus six, saying, give me the cookie. My eyes would turn pearlescent blue. I would then use chill touch and insert the fear and sensation of death within that customer, causing 1d8 necrotic damage and visions of death to spur within him. And I would repeat, give me that cookie. Very nice. I'll give you plus one and I'll take a zero because you used more features and mine was just a little grosser. Well, yours was creative, no doubt, and it's super intimidating. So thank you for that. So let's go ahead and move on to the X Factor. So would you use this NPC or bad guy in your campaign as a DM? I I absolutely would. This is a savage, disgusting little character. I love these boons and these cult features. They are at a lot of really unique stuff here. So short answer, hell yes. Awesome. I, too, would probably use this. I did wish that uh, Levistus had a boon, but I do like... There's tons of lore in here, as we said. Levistus tends to cut bargains with people that are desperate, which I really think is a cool roleplay scenario, especially if you have an NPC that has him as a patron. It can make for some really cool roleplay scenarios. Uh, And a guy that's in dire straits. That being said, yeah, I don't know if we need to score this because I think I know who won, but let's go ahead and drum roll. Yes, Dan, I took you down eight to nothing this round. Woo! That was a shellacking. Well, I definitely got some bonus points for using the boon features because I had some really strong stuff there. These are some fun characters though, for sure. Absolutely. And you guys can find the boons and cults Featured in this episode in the new supplement by Wizards of the Coast, Morden Kanan's Tome of Foes, released on May 18th. Go ahead and check that out on Amazon.com or your local comic shop. Lots of cool lore and a lot of great tools for PC character creation, as well as about 200 monsters to work with, which we always love. Garen, why don't you go ahead and tell us what's going on in the lab coming up? All right, well, let me tell you about the stuff that we've got that's exciting and rich. Number one, we reformatted one of our most popular blog posts back when we were updating our blog every week. It's now gone the way of the the dodo, but Murph's Mask Shop is available on DMs Guild. It is pay what you want, so it's nothing's dollars. Pick it up. It is a magical shop owned by a goblin full of masks that grant powers to the wearer, but also with secret curses. So it's perfect for a DM to put in there to entice his players and cause a little chaos. While you're there, we'd love if you check out our other supplements with Microbes of Malice, Consequences of Report PC Resting Choices, Wombo's Guide to Combos, and Jamae Jr.'s Horde of Horses. Our Patreon, we've got so many bonus episodes for you now. If you join at the $5 tier, we just released another Fight Club episode right before this one aired. And 
you can hop into our discord for as little as one dollar a month and now one dollar patrons are getting a really nice feature as they will have access to our bi-weekly bi-weekly pop culture subclass creation where we are basing a new subclass on a pop culture character and right now if you join us today you will have access to subclasses that we built around deadpool and marty mcfly from back to the future those are up on our patreon feed well boy garen that sounds pretty great i think i may become a patron myself that's all for this week lab rats and just remember it does not have to be optimized it just has to be fun thanks for listening guys this has been a production of the D character lab podcast be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. Or shoot us an email at DND Character Lab at gmail.com. Most importantly, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app.